Hey, this is Daniel, and welcome to Bad Taste, my new podcast where I roll around in all the garbage I love. So this is going to be kind of a looser one this week. Uh, busy birthday weekend. I had a lot of procrastination. I did a lot of cooking yesterday in order to avoid making this. Um, but I went to space this weekend. On Friday night, I watched Contact starring Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey, and then followed that up with Interstellar starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. So I started with Contact, which is a movie about a scientist who is listening to uh, deep space transmissions, hoping to hear some sort of communication from extraterrestrial life, ends up hearing something, convinces a private funder to give her more funding. They they eventually decode a set of blueprints for this machine that seems to be a transport of some kind. The whole world decides to build it. Jodie Foster really wants to be the person to uh, pilot it, and uh, she should be. But because of sexism and discrimination against atheism, she is excluded from the initial launch, which goes wrong because of a religious zealot who blows up the whole machine. Luckily, a billionaire or whomever made a new machine, so she does end up getting to go and goes on a journey through a wormhole to visit with these other aliens who they didn't even uh, design this communication system that they shared the blueprints for. It came from before them. So it points to a more complex world than even just this one other alien race. And the film ends with Jodie Foster having to defend her experience in front of Congress in order to justify continuing to fund space exploration like hers. And this is one of the many moments in the movie where the subtext becomes a little too much text about the need for belief and faith when it comes to science and space exploration and the values of such in the face of cold scientific fact. And that's a tension that runs throughout the movie because uh, Jodie Foster's love interest is Matthew McConaughey, which I was not expecting and didn't realize he was in this until uh, they were hooking up, which was weird. But I think what was weirder to me was that Matthew McConaughey, I didn't really understand who his character was. He was giving me this like weird cultish youth leader vibe but also like this new age televangelist thought leader type thing that i didn't really understand why he was there or why he deserved to be on this international panel deciding who gets to or doesn't get to communicate with aliens because i mean also christianity isn't the only major world religion and maybe other countries would actually prefer somebody who is uninterested in any of those religions than a person that represents a single one of them, but that's neither here nor there. While I enjoy the journey to faith that Jodie Foster goes on through this film, I do not appreciate how Matthew McConaughey's character is a part of that, because he is the villain of her career in many ways, and isn't even willing to be honest with her until she's about to actually go into the second machine about why he sabotaged her in the first place. The whole movie, for all that it's about space exploration, is really an exploration of a woman in science and the struggle to receive credit and to get to explore the things that you have discovered. And 
be a part of that adventure as opposed to having to let the men take charge. So as I finished Contact and started Interstellar, I began to see the second film in a different light than I'd expected. The movie is about a former NASA pilot, Matthew McConaughey, who now lives in a post-truth society where conspiracy theory is taught in school over fact, like they believe that we didn't actually go to the moon. And Matthew McConaughey figures out through magic reasons the location of a secret NASA base because NASA's gone underground in this post-truth society. So he and Anne Hathaway and a few robots and a couple other crew members are setting off through this wormhole near, I think, Saturn to explore these possibly habitable planets to take um, Earth's population to since Earth is dying. It's a dust bowl uh, the world over. And they ha- and then they also are packing a bunch of human embryos to take with them in case in case they aren't able to solve the equations needed for the gravity propulsion or whatever it is to get the majority of Earth's population off of the planet. So Matthew McConaughey and co. fly in, and it's about this point, I look down, I realize I've watched a full hour, and uh, there's still more than an hour left, so I decide I gotta skip half this movie. So I do... One of my favorite things that uh, will probably make you just stop listening to this for the rest of your life, which is I went and read the Wikipedia summary of the plot because I I need it's not that I'm trying to understand every plot detail. It's just that I've come to the understanding that what I want from the movie is not what the plot is going to give me. I'm in it for some other experience. So I ended up leapfrogging through the next hour or so through the movie, uh, touching down just to see the effects of time passing on the characters and to understand that the adult versions of Matthew McConaughey's kids are Jessica Chastain and Casey Affleck. And then I just kept going, saw Matt Damon pop up, passed him by. Because honestly, as I read the plot of the rest of the movie... From the moment they jump through the wormhole until, I would say, after Matt Damon dies is just a very rote, obvious plot. And and granted, maybe there's some stuff going on with Jessica Chastain and Casey Affleck's story that I do not know but should and apologies but, of course, the original plan that the scientist who convinced Matthew McConaughey to go into space didn't actually work and was a lie and that they were never actually going to save the people from Earth and uh, having to grapple with that. Like, that's that's just like a textbook sci-fi plot. And so I, I kept skipping until Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway have to separate at the black hole and he flings himself into it so that she can make it to the one habitable planet left in the solar system. And so as he's falling into it, that's where I pick it back up and he ends up in this Tesseract, which sure this whole next part of the movie is the most deus ex machina of things because it turns out that, Oh, it must've been future humans who created this black hole. And the black hole is actually a Tesseract of some sort, which is like, 
an expression of like four or five D space. I stopped paying attention at that point because it's just a Christopher Nolan plot and he puts a lot of stuff on it, but it's never really about that. I mean, that's most sci-fi stories. Most sci-fi stories have a lot of like set pieces, but they're really just about feelings. And that's really what this is at the end. And so I was able to skip to Matthew McConaughey being a gravity ghost and revealing to his daughter how to solve the equations needed to save Earth. And I was moved by this father's struggle to save his daughter and humanity. So then at the end, he wakes up on a space station with a familiar name. Where am I? Cooper Station. Currently orbiting Saturn. Cooper Station. What a nice you to name it after me. What? Well, the station isn't named after you, sir. It's, uh, it's named after your daughter. And even just that one moment is a nod to the other story playing out on the periphery. On the station, he reconnects with her and all of her family because she's gone on to have a full life. She is 120 years older or however long it was than when her dad left. And so she's on her last few days of life. He reconnects with her and she says to go be free, to to go build the new world that... Anne Hathaway is building on her own. So he steals a spaceship and flies off. And we cut to the last scene, which is Anne Hathaway alone on this new planet with this camp that she has built all alone. And I guess maybe she had one of the robots still with her. I unclear. But she is starting out this society herself as this matriarch. That's how... Her father always designed it to be, it seems. And so, having watched Contact before this, I was able to recognize the importance of the stories of Anne Hathaway's character and Matthew McConaughey's daughter, and how the conceptions of their power in the science field is completely different from that of... Jodie Foster's In Contact, and that so much of Jodie Foster's story In Contact is about the struggle for credit, the struggle to be recognized as a scientific voice. And so these women, Jessica Chastain's character and Anne Hathaway's character, are the direct descendants of Jodie Foster's and of the work that Jodie Foster's character put in to make strides for women in science. And so while Interstellar was on its surface a story about a man trying to save the world, in the end, he was just the mechanism so that women could. And I guess that's probably where I'll leave it this week. I enjoyed exploring space on Friday night and hope you enjoyed listening to me babble about it. At least I didn't subject you to talking about the third Matthew McConaughey movie I watched this weekend, which was Fool's Gold, starring Kate Hudson. Look, see how dumb they are? Yeah. They can't help it. You can. The end. Let's go. But maybe that's for another time. 
If you've got any thoughts about what I should be covering or where I should be going, send them to me on Twitter at RoughShrade or on Gmail at RoughShrade at gmail.com. That's S-C-H-R-A-D-E. Until next time.